0: The most studying that you should do is the study on the mentor that you're buying the mentorship from, because this the equivalent has to be true. If you buy the wrong mentorship and he gives you the wrong advice, it's going to put you light years behind. You can waste a lot of money on the wrong person.
1: Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got an amazing guest for us today, Ron Early, AKA The Sales God. He's a CEO CEO of Automation Empire and Wholesale Automation. He's a sales and e-com expert, psychology enthusiast, serial entrepreneur, and best-selling author of Closer, Real Closing Strategies for Real Results. And most importantly, Ron is the father to his two sons. Ron, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you
0: for having me, Doug. I appreciate that. That intro is uh, spicy when you hear it from somebody else. Thank you for making <laughs> me feel <that> about myself. <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. I love being a guest on on shows because you get introed and you're like, "Oh yeah, I did that shit. That's awesome."
0: Yeah. Feels so, great,
1: speaking of being a father, you know, how old are your kiddos, and what are you focused on teaching them right now?
0: So it's really, uh, really cool that you ask. I, I had a honestly probably one of the coolest experiences of my life. I've, I've gone through a lot and I've achieved a lot. But one of the coolest experiences ever was not last Friday, but the Friday before that, I host an event where I had 80 investors flying into town. And for the very first time, my two sons and my daughter got to see their dad give a keynote. And, you know, a business that I started and I operated. So it's not like I was speaking from somebody else's stage. This wasn't like any other time. But the one time yeah. they got to got to see it, it was dad hosted. So that was it's pretty epic, man.
1: I can there imagine I mean, them just looking around at everything that you've created, you know, and then giving that speech is kind of the crescendo to the whole deal. That's gotta be amazing.
0: You know, you don't really have it all figured out. You don't have really anything figured out when you first become a parent, but there is, there are thoughts that go through your head and you're like, man, I really wanna make sure that I do this thing right. And financial literacy, problem solving skills, critical thinking skills, communication, all things I want to teach my kids that I wish that, um, you know, I was pushed down those avenues when I was a kid. I understood them. So I understood them better now mm-hmm. would have just put me light years ahead. So I want to make sure that I provide those opportunities for them. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. So the fact like it's just unfolding in front of me, the way that it is, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's actually, it's actually really cool because it's my son's first year in public school. And in Sarasota, it's two years for a private school. We didn't know that or that wouldn't have happened. But today's the first day that he had to present his book report. So he's got to go up and speak in front of his his class. Yeah. And it was a lot cooler for me to be like, oh, you're not nervous. You're just excited. Like, you know, when you saw dad, you know, a couple of weeks ago, go up and talk in front of all those people. And the truth of the matter is I haven't had stage fright or like stage jitters in like six years, seven years. All of a sudden that changed when my kids were standing in front of me but (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It was pretty cool, man. It was pretty cool to be able to to talk to him about that this morning. Today's actually the day he's presenting. So the fact I was able to, to relate that and he understood it. It's like, man, this thing's working out just right.
1: No, that's beautiful, man. And you know, when you're doing the right things and you're setting the example, all of a sudden you don't, I mean, you do have to intentionally teach them things, right? But they're seeing it happen every day and they were seeing the results of it, which is even more important than you teaching it to them, I feel like. It it is.
0: It is. Kids will copy your behavior. And that's one of the funny things about about being a parent, honestly, about a good individual just giving advice. A lot of times we'll tell people the right things to do, but it doesn't mean that we'll do them ourselves. And it's really, <laughs> it's really hard to take advice from somebody when they're not even doing the thing that they're telling you to do. Yeah. So it's uh it's a switch sometimes in, in perspective, and I want them to be around that. And I I think me and my wife uh, just very recently had a, a very serious conversation about hiring hiring a full-time teacher and just bringing them more on board with us. It would be worth doubling or tripling a salary just to have the kids homeschooled so they can travel with us. And I want them to, to be around the speaking engagements and things I'm doing for business. So be like half day of school, half day with dad. Yeah, it'd be pretty epic.
1: I love that so much because it's it's trial by fire in a sense, you know, Yeah. Yep. and then eventually it's going to happen where where he says or she says, like, hey, dad, let me do that. You know, let me try yeah. that out or I can do that myself. And, and you're like, go forth, child and conquer. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lion King moment. Um, that's
0: Oh, that's so it, man. They, it's cool. To, do you have kids?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got three kids. OK. Well, um, boys, girls. Yeah. My oldest is 12. And she's a girl. And uh, then my two boys are nine and 11. Okay. So she just had her birthday. She's 13. I got a teenager now.
0: (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How how is that? How's that going?
1: So like, it's awesome because there's no, there's no cliche. Like, I mean, she's a daddy's girl. Don't get me wrong, but I'm also hard on her, you know? Yeah. And so she's incredibly independent and she's strong will too. And she's just not, she's not jumping on any of her friends' trends. You know what I mean? And you know, the, the, the worst trouble she's gotten in so far is, is, is texting after, you know, nine o'clock or something like that, you know, and it was all innocent stuff after my wife went through it and everything. So like, it's, you know, she's, she's towing that line. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. again, at 13 years old like I know when I was younger my sister was doing a lot worse you know what I'm saying so I'm like I know I'm <laughs> way ahead right now <laughs> it's well, challenging good. yeah
0: I dude I can only imagine I, I got lucky I was very fortunate that uh it happened happened opposite and I had the two boys first mm-hmm. if if we were gonna have a daughter and my my wife would have kept making me try had we not had a daughter on the third go but yeah. um it's a uh, it it's been very interesting. My daughter's definitely the one to put her foot down, that's for sure. She'll run those two boys, but it's good to have <laughs> them. Yeah. It's Man, good to have they, them
1: looking out for. Her. The girls mature so much faster, you know. Like yeah. I, I can trust my daughter with the the house while uh, me and my wife are on date night, and uh, my my boy is only like a year and a half younger, and he is just like half as mature uh, if that <laughs> he, he's not ready to run nothing yet you know
0: <laughs> you know there's there's so much beauty in that and mm-hmm. i know that she's progressing a lot because she's got two older brothers to look after but i really yeah. feel like i missed all of her baby stage like it's it's gone like she's getting ready to turn three mm-hmm. but she very much acts like four five she's she's right there with her her older brother
1: just fast forward and like, on you. Dude,
0: it happens so fast. I'm like, Man, this, this is very bitter. It's beautiful to watch, but it's so bittersweet.
1: You know? Yeah, ours are, ours are so close together. So, you know, the oldest one kind of pulls the other two, right? And I forget that my youngest son is still, like, a little boy, you know? And he was playing with, like, a box and his Sonic the other day, and he made a spaceship out of it and all that stuff. And I'm like, I haven't seen you play like that in a minute because your brother and sister always have you on – video games or doing crafts or, you know, doing this other stuff and you're still just a kid, you know, and I forget yeah. that sometimes, you know, and and we're never going to get that back. Me and my wife talk about it all the time. Like our daughter's already a teenager. Our our middle son's already there. He's going girl crazy now, you know, and our youngest, that's our last, like, you know, where they, they're actually like kids and they're not going through yeah. like puberty and boys and girls and, you know, the attitude and all that stuff. So we're just soaking it up as much as we can right now.
0: That's literally all you can do and make sure you get, you get that time every day. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably been one of the most incredibly life-changing things I've implemented is Mm -hmm. just scheduling everything because no matter how chaotic this whole crazy operation thing gets hundred plus employees, eight figure, Mm -hmm. whatever hundred investors, it's a lot to handle and manage what kids are mixed in the mix and, Uh, One thing you said that I liked, you said you date your wife. Like I prioritize Mm -hmm. that. Like I time block everything now. Mm -hmm. I watched uh, Rob Deardick speak live one time. He talked about how disorganized he was, and uh, I've always, I've always enjoyed listening to things that he has to say. Whenever you get a chance to to hear him drop some gems, he's got a lot of value. Mm -hmm. But hearing how he balances his his work life balance with everything that he does, I'm like, yo, if he can do it, I can do it. And I. I hate scheduling, but now my whole entire life's like color coordinated. You go look at it on a Google yes. Calendar; everything's mapped out from the time I wake yeah. up to the time I go to bed. But uh, I can. It's, it's it's hard. It's hard to be angry, you know, if I'm the one deciding everything that I'm doing throughout the day, because I'm the one that dedicated the time towards it. Nothing can ever get in the way of it. So now my kids always get their time. It's important. It's super important.
1: I couldn't agree more. I was going through your your Instagram, and and I always like to go way back and go to some old posts and stuff. And there's one like 25 weeks ago that uh, it went kind of viral. And uh, you were talking to Amanda, I think. And y'all were talking about that time in the evenings when you're dead tired from work, blue collar, white collar, doesn't really matter mentally, physically. And you were just giving advice on how to overcome that, you know, and, P- and there was nothing but like a bunch of excuses in the comments, you know. And I'm just like, that's all it is. Because like you just said, you have complete control, you know. And even if it means, if it means, hey, if I can go out there and I can, you know, let's say it's blue collar and I can go out and make 200K a year. Well, maybe it is me taking my kids out of school and like being able to, if I'm working 512s or something like that, being able to take the whole weekend or whatever, because I control their schedule or I control their education and I can take a day off and they can take a day off and I don't have the truancy court coming after me kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So we're right. in complete control of our schedules. So if you're gonna work that hard, at least you know, make it worth it. Exactly.
0: That's that's the key is to find a way to make it worth it. I can't sit here and, and tell everybody to become an entrepreneur like that's the one way of life because it's 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 not not everybody's not everybody's built for it. Um and I don't mean that in a negative way, I just mean like some entrepreneurs aren't built for some other physical labor jobs or or even employment jobs to keep some of these things running. It's not like you, it's what causes burnout, you know? And I've, I found it to be honestly the most beneficial in a lot of business owners, like bigger business owners, entrepreneurs, they find people that are entrepreneurs, they can work inside a company and they, they leverage having an entrepreneur working inside it much better Mm -hmm. than they'd ever have just hiring, you know, an hourly or a salary. So that's, uh. It's one of the foundational things that we've implemented here. That's it's changed the trajectory of how fast we've been able to move and pull things off this past year. It's made a massive difference.
1: Yeah. uh, A great example of that is Amanda. I had her on the show last week. She came on and crushed it. And we talked about that, that entrepreneur versus entrepreneur and, and how exciting it is, you know, and, and even that, you know, me myself, which I haven't had a job since I was 22 and um so it's been 15 years of being an entrepreneur. Even now, if the right opportunity came across. You know, I'm not going to sit here and snub my nose at it because I don't have owner on the business card. That's silly. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Am I going to be part of a $100 million company or a $10 million company? You know, yep. the differences in the two. But anyways, uh, you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to point out. You are talking about getting a a, um, a teacher for your kids and kind yeah. of taking them out of public school and being able to control their schedule and everything. I think that's awesome because my wife actually left teaching a uh, public school about a year and a half ago and she started her own tutoring service, right? So Ooh. it's a brick and mortar location. And what she does is she kind of fills in the gaps for homeschool kids. So you've got, mm. you know, mom or dad at home homeschooling them and they're having trouble because they're not trained teachers, right? And so she fills in those gaps for them. They come right. in and tutor with her once or twice a week and she was able to kind of free herself by doing that. Cause now she works like 30 hours a week and she can go to all the kids events, complete control of her schedule, but she's used, she's still using her master's and her education and uh, still, you know, still making like 75% of what she made before, but working half the hours, you know,
0: that's incredible. Yeah. It's an incredible way to hack the system. Are your kids in sports? All your kids?
1: Yeah. My daughter yeah. Uh, just wrapped up cross countries. So she's about to do basketball my middle son is flirting with football right now, which I'm not crazy about because I'm a, I'm a rugby player. And so I know all the head injuries okay. and stuff that comes with that. But hopefully <laughs> I can get him trained up right not to get those. And then my youngest son, if he touches a ball, it's on. You know what I mean? He's just he's an athlete. You can tell.
0: Yeah. 100%. My my oldest is. He's dying for the day that uh that that switch gets flipped February 20th and he turns seven because he'll be old enough to join jujitsu and that's like his his thing nice. right now. And then Max, which is my son that's four, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is and why he's got this calling to a football, but it's it's the same thing like it's football or nothing with him. Oh, and wow, like we a, you know, we haven't really, <laughs> I don't really had a chance to like test anything with you or try anything with you i don't know what your (laughs) attraction is to this thing yeah but uh, it's 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 interesting i'm I'm curious to see how it lays out and all my kids are very competitive Um, Mm -hmm. i'm sure my daughter will end up somewhere in dance or cheerleading that's her fascination right now Mm -hmm. did you play football i did but i i primarily played baseball i played baseball for 11 11 years of my life
1: um more profitable sport
0: it it was uh it was definitely it's definitely an interesting time period in my life i think i think going through school honestly going through little league and then going through high school up until high school high school i think is what ruins sports for a lot of people yeah it's a different freedom versus um playing sports versus organized sports i think is there's a massive difference between the Mm. two it removes the fun out of it for a lot of kids especially when people start playing favorites and yeah politics exactly politics politics and everything
1: everything yeah i got i got told that i couldn't play basketball because i was too short i like my coach wouldn't even let me try out but what i found out later is he was he was uh wanting me to be in cross country so he wanted me to focus on cross country so he was kind of dictating you know where what sport i competed in and i just took it at face value you know i didn't have a like a father figure to tell me hey fight that like do what you want to do or anything took it at face value okay i guess i just have to do cross country you know which i went to state and stuff and it and uh, it was an amazing sport and everything but then you know as soon as i graduated and i started playing pickup games of basketball i realized hey i'm pretty freaking good you know <laughs> despite my size you know i'm 5'10 now obviously back then i was 5'5 so <laughs> it's but yeah
0: funny. it's funny you say that man i so i played I played basketball my freshman year of high school. I was five five. I weighed ninety five pounds, dude. I was. It took me forever. I just hit puberty like last week. Like it took <laughs> a long time. It took a long time, man. Um, uh, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, it doesn't hit my kids quite so late. Um, just, just in case, like that's something they end up wanting to do around those ages. I don't want it to be taken away from them, be at a disadvantage. It, I mean, if it, it works out the way it does, I just want them to get a chance to enjoy what they want to do.
1: Yeah. There's a reason Rudy was my favorite movie. You know, yeah. Rudy, Notre Dame,
0: yeah,
1: fighting against the man because he was short or whatever. No, it was awesome. But if you do get them into football, I would say look up, you know, in the NFL it's called Seahawk tackling, but uh, rugby-style tackling. That's the safest way for them to tackle so they don't get hurt. And they're teaching it in, like, the Pop Warner Leagues and stuff like that now too, so – it's it's getting across there okay so you started out in door-to-door i'm very curious about this because that's my background uh i scaled a door-to-door door-to-door company to five million a year in commissions 110 sales reps so i definitely want to talk about that was that like your first sales position or just the one that was like notable that's
0: no no it wasn't honestly it was my first failure ironically so i don't i don't want (laughs) to be (laughs) I don't want this to be a a demise story. Um, It was my first sales job starting off my own business. My first first sales job fell into my own lap. And I'll sum this one up like very, very short. I dropped out of college because I was offered a job back in Florida uh, doing personal training. And in the, which I don't even know if the gym's around anymore, but 11 years ago, there was this gym called Ufit and they had this uh, directing position. That you need an exercise science degree and only those directors were able to give assessments and then assign new clients to personal trainers mm-hmm. i just quit college flew back across the country and within 24 hours our director got fired so i had no clients and no way to make money wow it sucked dude so being in a family that were like why are you leaving this opportunity why are you quitting only to get there and then within 24 hours it felt like it got stripped from me um, we were one of 12 clubs in our, our district had the highest grossing sales in that month. And because of that, I drew a lot of a lot of attention to myself that was kind of unwarranted. Mm-hmm. And they ended up creating a position inside the company called a DIT to where you no longer needed a degree. You could just go through a training. You could get promoted into a director. So my first sales gig was, was really doing that. And then within like a year and a half, two years, I was actually doing directing for the entire state of Florida. And I was traveling from gym to gym and teaching sales directors how to sell personal training for the, the gym. Beautiful.
1: Yeah, man. No, yeah, and it's, it's awesome. Nice. I've 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 noticed that especially in the roofing industry they are really targeting like uh is it Lifetime or LA Fitnesses? Lifetime and LA Fitnesses. Like that's where the superstars are are born because they already have the discipline from being fit. You know what I'm saying? That that it takes that's... to be fit and then the sales on top of that is kind of like the perfect mix.
0: Dude, that was it. I I was trading so many, so many hours and I was dumping so much money into this company for, and I was always hitting a cap, which I did not like. So there was nowhere else to scale. I was actually given a job offer by LA fitness to do pretty much half the coverage for the same pay, which I thought was going to be half the time, but they're, they're like slave drivers in there, dude. It was the worst, the worst sales job. It almost pushed me out of to like where I never wanted to do sales again. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh yeah, I think that's the time where me and my wife decided we were going to move from West Palm Beach back over to Sarasota, which was going to be pretty incredible. You know, for the last five years, we had pretty much decided we weren't going to have kids because, you know, her doctor told her she was unable to. So after I left the 6 bigger job, moved across the, moved across the state, uh, we found out we had our son on the way. So oh, it was wow. really, really terrible timing to, <laughs> at the time, felt like terrible, terrible timing yeah. to quit a job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. That door-to-door job. I, I wanted to follow trends. I knew that I wanted to sell. I knew I wanted to manage my own thing. It was just a matter of getting my foot in the door and what I wanted it to be. Right. And uh, we have one of the fastest-growing counties in in the entire country. So, my dad's background is construction. He was doing pretty good, and he could just never figure out like how to separate himself from working inside the business to working on the business, which is why he never wanted me to get into business. Um, so, long behold, I started a construction company. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Terrible <laughs> idea, you know? Um, but you you solve problems in entrepreneurism yeah. and and there was a, there was a gap where there was a lot of finished concrete that didn't want to get done from concrete crews specifically in Florida for like these garages and driveways. So that's what I wanted to do was just I can get hired out by all these people. And uh I don't know if it was just a matter of not knowing all the right contractors. I wasn't gonna ask, you know, my father for any favors, so I was gonna figure it out. So I first started going and doing polished concrete and offering out garages and i'd knock door to door just try and get mm-hmm. i wanted some kind of resources testimonials pictures a finished product so i can show them off and um i was i was going working off a, a rental grinder mm-hmm. and sunbelt rentals and then i ended up getting this big 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 opportunity and there's a city called boca grand out here it's like money these people got money mm-hmm. to live here they're exactly. building up the community and he gives me the contract I talked to essentially gave us like, it was like 81 or 82 units that we were able to do. Mm-hmm. I can no longer rent and there was no way I was going to be able to do it myself. So I pitched this whole thing to my uncle, got my uncle to quit his job, went and talked to my wife, anybody that runs a business, you know, you need two years of business history to get business credit. Um, well, in order to buy this grinder, I had to spend 24 of our $36,000 we had set aside to, to get our house, deposit, furnish. But I told her, you know, based off the math, I can triple this money in four months, have all the products done, and then we can really get this thing off the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that happened Thursday, picked up the grinder Friday. I'm driving this really terrible piece of trash, like white OBS Ford, cost me like 1200 bucks to pick it up. So my equipment cost 24 times (laughs) (laughs) the truck truck pulling in it. And I'm smiling, you know, ear to ear on the way to the job site Monday morning. And I got my uncle sitting next to me and I'm really thinking I pulled this off. You know, I've helped him put him in a better position, figure this thing out for my family. Mm -hmm. Pull up and uh, find out the contractor got fired. Man. So I'm sitting on two thirds of my money gone. I can't return the thing. My uncle quit. You know, he doesn't have a a job to immediately go back to, which is a terrible nightmare. And I got to figure out, I'm going to go break to my wife that I feel like I just threw away two thirds of our money. Mm-hmm. Door knocking at that point too, isn't paying that thing off fast enough. Like right. That's not going to work. Right. So that was like the very first hole. That was the very first hole I got put in. And the door knocking part was, it was successful for like what it was, but it wasn't enough to, you can't live off that.
1: Yeah. At least no, not. Sure. Well, and so many people tell the come up story, you know what I mean? But it's those three or four losses before you even like start to come up that they don't tell too often. And that's tough, man. Cause when you're staring down the barrel of it, it's like, how in the world am I going to get out of this? You know, brother. and exactly. uh, now you can look, and, look back on it.
0: Well, that's, that's, see, that's the biggest thing. I think about sometimes when I get on these podcasts and, and sometimes I've done like 15, 20 minute podcasts and they ask me questions that are like time gaps, you know, throughout the last mm-hmm. 10 years of entrepreneurism and i'm like man that's a different story that we haven't even talked about it seems like so much has happened in a long period of time but really a lot's happened in a very short period of time yeah this feels like this compressed mass sandwich of like trials errors fuck ups (laughs) figure it out quantum leaps um and it's in 10 years going from door knocking to not being able to afford groceries and scraping change and you know my parent's house, just because money's tied up to what we're doing now, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get that bridge gap from eight to nine figures is mm-hmm. wildly different than where it started out in a decade. And there's just so much to talk about in this period. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think a lot of us hit hit a stone wall too when we come up to situations like that, where it feels like nothing's worked out. And you already took your shot because all you invested was money. Like the belief wasn't really there. You know, you can't, can't expect to hit, like my odds were in my favor Mm -hmm. for that. I already had the job, unfortunately is unforeseen circumstances, but that didn't mean like I couldn't put the odds again in my favor with something else and then try, which is exactly what happened and how we got involved with Amazon. And long story short, we went from that 36 grand down to like, two thousand dollars in the matter of 48 hours because i was offered mentorship like almost instantaneously after that happened with the floor grinder in a gym wow. of all places so um yeah it's pretty crazy would seem wildly unresponsible but it, it turned out <laughs> <death>. <laughs> yeah
1: lo- looking back i can imagine <laughs> you going back to your wife and saying hey that didn't work out but here's this other thing and this looks yeah. really cool and she's like what <laughs> wait a <laughs> second you're in construction." Uh-huh. I yeah I I got a story like that too but we we definitely I definitely want to get to some of this other stuff here so yeah yeah you know I would imagine this probably happened you know during the the Amazon come up but at one point I was reading an article and at, at one point you had invested 100k in your development you know at that point what you know what inspired you to do that were you already surrounding yourself with people that were doing that Or was it just something that you recognized you had to do in order to get to the next level man
0: so much of both this is so this is one of those questions i'm talking about it's like a story within a story and um i've dabbled with this online entrepreneur fame thing and i always try to get away with it get away from it um and the very first time like it really hit me over the head was tasting amazon success and then taking on amazon like clients I was mentoring people how to do it from home
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i i went to the the 10x growth con in 2017 and i had people approaching me and wanting to take pictures with me and I'm like dude it's like eight months ago I was just like a broke kid and now i got people who know me that i don't know and i have a son on the way and it just didn't it didn't feel right didn't feel safe right. didn't like it yeah so I posted up on this uh, like really nasty, riggedy trash can and quickly changed my Instagram handle. And I thought like if I changed my name from like Ron to Roan and anybody called me that in public, I know I didn't know, actually know them in person. It'd just be like a quick okay. tell.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, I, my thing has just always been in sales. So after struggling with it for like a couple of weeks, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to finish off like this 50 families lives change thing. That way I feel like I stuck out with my part. But I'd rather sell for people that are doing similar services that I know that are, are worth the shit. And that's where we started growing a sales and marketing agency. my first time I got with my business partner. Mm-hmm. And the, the model was, it was beautiful. He would run traffic to their front door and pretty much overload their sales teams. So we get a hefty upfront fee for that, for the marketing and he'd run it out. I right. would tell him how to run the ads and I'd help Cody design pretty much these layouts. And then when their sales team couldn't take on the traffic granted, you know, their, their model wouldn't break with volume which is one of the things that we took on as a, a client characteristic. I'd outsource mm-hmm. my sales team and we'd take a direct rev share. So it was just like turnover, turnover. That was the first seven figure business that we grew. Mm-hmm. And um, in doing that, to get to the answer of your question, I was trying to figure out how we could do it faster. And the reason why I wanted to do it faster is I had other people in a current mentorship that their numbers and things that they were doing, they were good. And it was good for me to say, like, I was able to pull, you know, m- multiple seven figures, especially after being split between a business partner. But there were other groups of people that were doing such higher numbers and they had different tactics for what they wanted to do as far as like communication and there were certain things like I still wanted to figure out how to do, how I was going to reach a larger audience, how to move larger audiences. And I, I had a gentleman, his name, I'll just drop his name in here. His name is Myron Golden. His mentorship is $150,000. And that gentleman's the one that taught me how to make a million dollars in a day, a single day. And I knew I was off because, you know, we were happy, boasting about what we were doing. And I, I talk about this in my book. About leveling up in different audiences, and sometimes you have to buy your way into those places. But really quick, by like fourth or fifth conversation, there were people that were complaining about not ever wanting to do another day that was like under two, three, four hundred thousand. And then a couple people that were like, "Man, we only made three or four million this week," and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like damn, okay, all right, you know that. what? <laughs> I'm just going to continue to listen. I don't to talk about what I'm doing at all. This <laughs> is yeah."
1: I'm a listener so, in this room.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, fly on the wall. And um, I think that's one of the biggest nuggets, like biggest takeaways is information can really, from the right person, can put you light years ahead. But you really should take the time. The most studying that you should do is the study on the mentor that you're buying the mentorship from because this the equivalent has to be true. If you buy the wrong mentorship and he gives you the wrong advice, it's going to put you light years behind. You can waste a lot of money
1: on the wrong person. So, read up. Yeah, and and now I feel like it's more it's more centered around it. It's evolved. I think one of the things that's changed a lot right now is these mentors have realized, hey, I'm basically just selling my time. If I want to be able to scale this mentorship thing, then I've got to create the group. So you've got a lot of uh, you know Facebook foundational groups that go into events that go into these masterminds. You know, I'm part of a few of them myself. And what I'm finding in these, because I've, I've done the same thing over the last couple of years, I spent over six figures on growth and development too. And probably about half of that, I probably shouldn't have spent. It was just like shiny object. Let me go do this thing or let me take this trip, you know, because it's in a, it's in a PJ and it's in Cabo or whatever the case is, (laughs) but that's just me. But along the way we're masterminding and, and, and at the event. We're doing the mastermind thing, so it's tax deductible, all that good stuff. Vacation on the on the business, right? Um, and looking back, what I should have been investing in was systems, operations, people—you know, that that type of stuff. Because eventually, you get enough information, you got to go apply it at some point. You can't just go from event event, you know what I mean, and call yeah. to call or whatever the case is. Did you find yourself doing any of that?
0: Quite a few times. I actually had a. Uh, it was my my. Very first argument slash disgruntlement with my my business partner. I'm a very avid reader. I love to read. But there was a point in my life where I stopped reading books. And I think he took it a lot differently when we were in our, I'll just call it our growth window, our massive growth window. We're in the middle of this. It was another quantum leap the business was making when I decided to do this. And uh, I think for the most part, because entrepreneurs should continue to learn and you should continue education, that could be a a tell sign that someone's either burning out or they have the wrong idea, the wrong pattern. So I understood where it was coming from. The problem is I was going through so many books, I didn't have time for the implementation. So what's Mm -hmm. the point in taking the information if I'm putting no action steps towards it? Now I'm not even trying to see what works. And it also feels very inauthentic too, just because I learned about it somewhere for me to talk about it somewhere else, because now I haven't tried the thing that I'm preaching you should do. Right. So yes, to answer your question, I, uh, I have definitely, I've taken those breaks and I've, I've, gone down, I've gone down those tunnels where I get education happy. And I'm sure there's tons of things that I've read and things I've taken in from certain mentors too that I forgot that I didn't get a chance to apply nor will I, unless I get the chance to pick that book back up. Um, so I've changed that philosophy. Now I'll, I'll get a handful of books that I enjoy. And if I really enjoyed it, I'll go through it a few times, that mm-hmm. same book, just to make sure I extract everything out of it. And I truly understand everything that I could, I can take away from it. It's really easy to miss stuff if you don't.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, when I first got into, uh, I'm an in apex, right? And part of the model of, of what's called building your machine is writing a book and so i'm getting books i'm ordering books every other week supporting these guys and stuff you know and i'm going through and reading them and and i did i, I read like 20 books in like a month you know what i'm saying because they're all short and they're all just hitting that bestseller or whatever you know and and i was just like oh, I'm, I'm i'm done with this you know what i mean like they're all saying the yeah. same thing it's all mindset you know, it's it's all um, the same story, work hard, have that core values, you know, all, all the same stuff regurgitated over and over again, just basically extracted yeah. from the group, which are all good things. As long as they're a North Star and not your operating system, you know. Right. And so uh, I did the same thing. I just stopped reading altogether. And then uh, I think Tim Grover's book came out at that point. Um, gosh, what, what was it called? It impacted me so much because I, I listened to it on audio while I was running, you know. Ooh. Oh, you know what it was? It was before that it was Phil Dog Shoe Night. You ever read that book?
0: I have not, but now I need to write it down.
1: Yeah, and what I realized. What's that? What
0: Would you say it was called?
1: Um, uh, Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog. By Phil Knight. Yeah, it's basically his autobiography, but it, 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 it it's told in in uh, story version, you know. And so that's what I realized: the books that I. I'm actually going to absorb the most and actually learn from and, and use these, whether it's inspiration or strategies is ones that are like actually well written and they're telling a story throughout, you know, and I can apply the the story to the practice, you know, that, that became really important for me.
0: I think you should pick up a copy of my
1: book. I'm not a person oh, yeah. in APEC, just aiming for a bestseller, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. You know, um, no, when you said. When you mentioned you tell this story in your book, I was like, okay, yeah, for sure. I need to read the book now, you know?
0: I am, I'm big on that. I never, ever will teach anybody anything if I can't implement it while I'm teaching it. Because now you don't mm-hmm. understand its true effectiveness. The entire book, I'm teaching sales and communication through storytelling. Mm-hmm. And how to storytell and how to lay it out, what the frameworks are for it, how to change tones, how to change vocal pitches, how to listen to things back. Like it's all active practices at the end of every chapter.
1: Yeah, and that's that's part of my game mm-hmm. that I need to work on for sure, because coming from door to door, it's very systematic. It's very yeah. feature benefit. It's very um, qualification heavy, you know, which obviously you're not telling a story if you're spending 70 percent of the time qualifying. And so right. it's very tactical. And that that's who I am. I'm a very tactical person. And I, and I still have yet to write my book yet because I, I keep getting hung up on this like it's going to come out super tactical. And like, I need to tell a story along the way, which I have it framed. I have it outlined in everything. I've sent my outline to a mentor of mine, you know, so I'm that far in the process, but it's one of those things. It's like, it doesn't make money right now, <laughs> which is the yeah. worst excuse ever, but it's, it's a reality, you know?
0: I, I never really planned on the book making me, you know, a ton of money. I just, right. I want that out there so I can get my thoughts out. And it's funny that you say that you're going through what you went through because even though it seems like I I took off time to write that book. Yeah. So I, I felt like I got it done in a short amount of time. But I also fired both publishers that I, I hired. So it's self-published. And mm-hmm. I rewrote that book probably like seven or eight times just to make sure like it was, I wanted it to be digested the way that I wanted to relate. It. And it's a lot harder to teach sales and communication tactics, communication tactics in print like yeah. it's so difficult to do that, and I kept running into that wall like over and over and over again. I was like, "Yeah, that's not right." Like the message is there, but it's not right. I got to do. I got to do it over. Got to do it over. And it uh, it came out to a point where I was I was very comfortable to say that I I could put about ninety two percent of the way that I wanted my thoughts to come out into a book, into to written print, like communication into written print, mm-hmm. um, which was. It sufficed for me. Cause I don't know that I could truly ever get something to a hundred. Yeah. As much as no, I want to strive true. for that to be, it's the, the best way to learn communication tactics is either talking with somebody or speaking like that is, that's the best way to do it. It's not reading about it, but 100%. You know, you know, I wanted to find a way to put that out there. And that's, I think that's why the big, the biggest thing that I'm, I'm happy about with the outcome of the book is its frameworks and it's practice based. So there's, there's exercises that you can do outside of it. So I can make sure like people actually understand how to implement the things I'm telling them to do.
1: I love that. I think, I think mine's gonna be heavy that way too, with diagrams. Like you said, frameworks, it's gonna have a lot of visuals, you know, because I, I'm big on that, you know, um, the way that I've built sales teams and I'm all about the sales program versus the pitch or closing or any of that stuff right i'm i'm a i'm a program builder right and so but every every piece of my sales programs have a deliverable document and a visual you know that that can be seen and if you want to you can print it out and touch it and feel it you know what i'm saying yeah. it's not um theory it's not taught person to person it, it's it's taught through the program you know yeah. and so that it, it it's scalable and so that's incredibly important for me that they, when they get the book, they also have access to the templates and everything that goes along with it, which, you know, it, it's hard because right now, you know, I did the course. You can, you can probably pull about, I don't know, 20 episodes of my podcast and recreate the course. And, you know, cause I, I do, I've, I've literally given everything away, you know, yeah. but if you want it in a nice, pretty package, it costs five hundred bucks. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do the
0: sitting work for you, but it's going to cost you. Money. Yeah. Yeah, yep. exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, no, I love that. I'm, I'm definitely going to order a copy of it. What are you, what are you studying right now? And, and how are you applying it? Cause I, you know, one of the things that you said is you were uh, a big uh, psychology enthusiast. Yep. So I would imagine that's part of your, your rotation right now. Something on psychology.
0: It, it is. I, I cycle a few different things. So I think that you should always do one. On business, one on money, and some kind of like personal development. And and money can be rotated um, in and out, whether it be understanding uh, different terms in in the money realm. I think that there's a big, big difference between business owners and entrepreneurs in that sense. Like, there's a ton of people I know that strike gold. And the very first thing they do from going poor is collecting a bunch of money to going poor again at the beginning of the year because they give 33% of it away to the government. And that's just not mm-hmm. the best way to spend your money.
1: Yeah.
0: No, I didn't I didn't climb through those holes and work that hard just to give it away to somebody else when the whole reason why I did this was to retire my parents and have a better life for my kids, and my wife. I want an opportunity for the people that work their ass off in this office. It's really hard to do that if I don't know how to take care of that money or process that money. So it's one thing to to know money and then it's another to make it. Um, but as far as like personal books and and keeping them up, I'm going back through tax free wealth right now, any psychology books, I'm huge on NLPs, which are neuro-linguistic pattern training books, Richard Mm -hmm. Bandler. He's very, very hard to read because of the time period that he wrote his books. But I found what you said to be very true earlier amongst a lot Mm -hmm. of people. I think a lot of people now are writing books just to get their name on something. And there's ways of scaling books to get bestsellers so i'm not getting a lot of new value i don't think people write the books for the same reasons they they used to be written for before so a lot of times i will find older books that kind of coincide with things that i want to find and i found the most value out of a lot of his it's just because it was written in a different time it's harder to understand certain phrases that he'll use i'll have to go google or i have no idea what the hell he's talking about Mm -hmm. Uh, but to understand eye, eye pattern body language tactics how to uh, shift someone's personality type in the middle of a conversation, breaking people's frame. Reframing is actually the book that I'm going through right now by his, uh, by him. And it's, it's incredible, man. I went through half of it, and uh, that was one of those books. I didn't go all the way through to restart. I wanted to start back to the first half. Yeah. So he's uh he's a gym. Anybody listen to that. You should definitely pick that book up.
1: Fantastic. Um, I, I hey. agree hundred percent with what you're saying about the, the old, book, older originators, too, because if you look at a lot of the books that come out now, they're just a regurgitated framework of something that was already written, you know? It, see, and it, it seems and that you, way. Yeah, and you're right. They just want to slap their name on it, get the authority from it, which, don't get me wrong, that's why I'm going to be doing it, too, but I've, I've done my best to create my own things, you know what I'm saying? And right. I, that's why I got so excited about it. Whenever I did come across... know consulting and i was like hey i I need a framework for this you know and i developed Kodok. and i did i i scoured google as much as i could you know and um i did not i found consulting companies that you know they focused on the sales programs you know but they were more of a consulting group you know uh but i didn't really find individuals that that was their brand was the sales program versus sales training or closing or whatever the case was right and so that's when I got excited. And I was like, "Hey, I can build a brand out of this, you know? Podcast building great sales teams. The book, going to be building great sales teams." And um, but yeah, I I'm actually listening to uh, Outwitting the Devil right now by Napoleon Hill. So good, so good. And I'm just like, <laughs> when he interviews the devil, I'm in the middle of yep. that right now, and I'm just uh-huh. like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, this is one of the greatest pieces of literature ever written. I if feel like that's really, a gem. Dude. I'm yeah. Just, yeah. I'm in the middle of it right now, so I'm not going to speak <laughs> to it just yet. I want to finish it, but. You have to connect man. back with me after you finish it. Yeah. I want to know your final thoughts. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's fantastic and scary all at the same time, but it, it's, it's beautiful. Cause what, what was this? He, he wrote it in uh, 1938. I think.
0: It had to have been somewhere close yeah, to that time. Yeah. 30s
1: or 40s. Right. And. And it's, it's never more true than now, you know, oh, or maybe it's just oh, one yeah. of those things that you can always apply, but man, it's crazy.
0: I th- you know, that's, see, that's the funny thing about, we talked about communication psychology. It's kind of psychology as a whole. Mm-hmm. I think anybody that goes through entrepreneurism or what's better for themselves, they deal with a lot of those same struggles. It's a normal part of the process. It's important for growth. Yeah. Like I told you, you know, part of my story seemed very reckless, but at the same time, there's so many learning lessons I can extract out of that, that I would never oh, yeah. allow it to happen inside of what we're doing now. And it seemed like it cost me everything then, but damn, it would cost me a lot more to recoup. <laughs> Fumbling the ball with how much we have in our hands at the moment. So,
1: right. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I think that's part of, part of the journey, right. Is going through that. And then being able to look back and say, "Hey, I need to make sure I don't do that again." I can feel that. I can see that happening again. I <laughs> Make sure I don't yep. do that again, right? Yep. And in 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 your original case, it was putting all your eggs in that one basket, you know. And now I would imagine you're a lot more diversified.
0: Yeah, I mean i I am. There's another book that I studied called uh, "Thinking in Bets" by Annie Duke. Okay. And she pretty much she pretty much breaks down a system of no matter what what you do, no matter what you do, you're always going to be taking a chance on something. There's always risk involved with everything that's worth, you know, getting a good reward out of, but that doesn't mean that you can't stack odds in your favor. 2020, there's no way I would have been able to predict that that guy would have got fired and he would have lost that job and I would have lost that opportunity. The odds were very much in my favor and a lot of people would have thrown in the towel at that point. But I also, you know, came up with this Amazon thing. And it's because we did eBay in the past. It wasn't enough to live off of. But the volume he was showing me on his store sales on his phone, that was more than enough to live off of. Mm -hmm. That was like comfortable living. And now I didn't have to go door knock, or there wasn't a time delay, like it was how quick I was going to work. And that directly correlated with how much money I was going to make. So that made Mm -hmm. more sense at the time, you know, opportunity presenting itself. That's why I didn't go back to the, the construction thing. I didn't want to put anybody else in my uncle or, you know, consideration of, you know, my wife freaking out now, if she was going to freak out now, if anything didn't happen, it was strictly because of me and me only.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's a, that's a stage I'm in right now as well. You know, I built my business on, you know, training, developing other people for so long, you know, and it required a lot of uh, my income to be put in their hands, you know, because I was... The top of a big machine uh of people not a machine of automation like in your case right and so um and and i i know you have a lot of people working for you but at the same time it's like you're you're in complete control of that ship for the most part you know right for me it was like i had a lot of li- leaders that i had built up and put in place to where if they went sideways on me then i'd lose half the business or a third of the business you know and so anyways I want to go back to what you were saying, though, about the autom- the automation piece or, you know, the, the Amazon piece. And you saw those numbers and you were able to live off of them and everything. So, so much of what is pitched out in the marketplace right now is passive, but it sounds yeah. like you've got a large operation going on. You've got physical space, physical product going into it, you know, so it, it doesn't sound automated from your point of view. So, can you kind of walk us through that a little bit i know you just had your event too so you probably just spent a couple days kind of walking everybody the investors and everything through this what are some of the finer points
0: yeah man it's so it's yeah it's definitely not automated for us it takes a lot to move and do what we do Mm -hmm. especially as we continue to grow and expand and um man where do you even start in something like this it's uh I'm going to answer the first part. The first part was how do I feel about the, the passive thing with the passive being thrown out? And semi passive income exists. There's no such thing as truly passive anywhere, especially with real estate. Like your name goes in the title and you can vet and hire the right property management company. It's still work on your part. You're still liable for any damages or anything like you got to take care of. And that's now is no longer passive. It still runs as a system that doesn't require a bunch of your attention, but e-commerce ran by the right company can be the same way, which is really where we're at. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I said I want to take a step back earlier is we talked about those accolades and trying to figure out things with the book, right? And, And one of that staple in our name when it comes to brand. And the more that I realized that I was doubling down on systems and operations and value being brought to where we are currently located and growing, you know, I got 100 plus employees, 700 plus investors. Being able to offer opportunities like hurricane relief, and, you know, bring a an, an obnoxious amount of value to one of the fastest growing cities in the U.S. awarded me a key to the city. You know, we're one of the only investment groups that are accredited in the state of Florida. It's like these things started to fall into my lap without me having to try to do them
1: mm-hmm.
0: when I started focusing on the systems and the operations, Hell yeah. and being able to provide the opportunities like what everybody's floating around and talking about. And I, I do feel like we hear a lot of people talk about you need six, seven, eight flows of income. And those people don't have two, three, four flows of income. Right. So I don't know why they're telling you to do that when they don't even do it themselves. I don't want to make
1: their, their little couple hundred dollar commission on whatever they're selling. Right. Right.
0: <laughs> right. It's like uh it's like a artificially inflated claim to fame. Like don't, don't preach what you don't practice. Right. The reason why I, sh- I really, I really like Amazon being ran the way that we do it is one, there's a difference between dropshipping and FBA. And drop shipping, you can make a couple quick bucks. There's a ton of risk that's involved with it, but the store creates no value because now I'm going from retail shop to retail shop to turnover products. Right. And wholesale, I'm building like these mini Walmarts. The best way to put it, like it's a, it's a digital asset, just mm-hmm. like a real estate property. And the the thing that I like more about Amazon or e-commerce as a whole is I'm diversified in real estate and it makes sense to diversify assets. We talked about not putting all eggs in one basket, right. but there's a ceiling on real estate. No pun intended. I can buy acreage around it. I can put a pool on it and that'll increase the value. But essentially over time I get capped. I can't increase the value anymore.
1: Yeah. by comp- you'll get capped by comparables.
0: You can't that's it. Yeah. e-commerce no matter how much money I dump into it, I can buy more wholesale inventory. I cash flow more on a month-to-month basis. And the Mm -hmm. more I dump into it when I get that point where Amazon allows me to like free flow, I compound annually, year over year. It increases the value of the asset. You can sell the storefront for a brand niche. So like say I have a baby store on Amazon that I sell and I do two, $300,000 on that store. Those things usually sell for like two, three times multiplier. I can turn that storefront over which I broker the deals For seven eight hundred thousand dollars
1: what i guess why would you not do that what labels a storefront you know is it is it the type of product you're selling in it or is it just the reviews that that go to that uh seller is it the seller is the storefront
0: okay yeah yeah it's it's definitely both so uh i get i get asked very very commonly how do you pick and choose what products you put in in your investor storefronts so i'm not playing favorites but it's really not a matter of playing favorites there's 375 million listings on amazon and some of these singular products just to stock out the inventory for a month-to-month basis is like 80 to 150 grand most people can't even afford to stock out one single product in a calendar month so it's not a matter of me flooding anything out it's a matter of you being able to afford it and the more that you give me, the more things like I can buy. And and based off of what capital you give me, also it gives me my, my limitations. Mm-hmm. Like there's a ton, ton of profitability. And in... let's use this. Um, like if uh, you go to the home category, and it could be this desk that I'm, I have this laptop set up on, or and mm-hmm. this microphone electronics, or it could be this bookshelf I have behind me. I could turn over a 38 percent margin on something like this. You know, 35 mm-hmm. percent margin, something like that but if you only give me $15,000 to work with and you get paid out every two weeks by Amazon to cycle that income, and this thing cost me because of its size, like 800 bucks, thousand bucks to, you know, essentially buy the first unit, I can only sell you one unit a day before you're out of income or before you're out of capital. Yeah, never gonna buy this for you. So if I have to flip you a product of less value, like a a vitamin or a a food and grocery item, and it turns over like a 20% margin, and it's what you can afford because I can now sell at volume. That's what I'm going to buy you because that's what you provided me to work with.
1: Uh, it makes a ton of sense.
0: It's it's chess in a lot of ways. Yeah. And Amazon Amazon has its own chess game. You know, you got to scale the stores before they give you the the credibility or the association to get that golden buy box. It's it's definitely earned, not given. That's for sure. So the the scale scale part of the stores it's a little bit slower. But once we get through you know, that initial three or four months and Amazon sees some reviews, positive reviews, they know you're selling mm-hmm. actual goods. None of them are, they're not forged products. Um, they'll give you that association and then it's game on. So what you provide me, I can make you from there.
1: So is it a, a storefront per investor or are you doing like syndications too? You got this massive storefront and needs to have some capital push through it for inventory and everything. And you're setting up like syndications or how does that work? I'm just thinking real estate, you know,
0: I, I want to play that game. I just, right now it's a little sticky with what we're currently doing. I'm looking at it like this. How can I grow inside this company and provide investment opportunities for people that want to grow? We talk Mm -hmm. about not having employees, having entrepreneurs. If I truly believe that, then I have to provide investment opportunities. And if I want to grow this community of people, which we as entrepreneurs, we grow up. And the thing that we hear that's like thrown around a lot is get around the right people, get around the right people. But no one ever tells you how to get around the right people. It is one of the mm-hmm. most difficult things in the world to do. So whether you're a first time investor or you're an Asian investor, kind of like the event we threw two Fridays ago, I had 80 people in here that are investors that I'm now creating a community. People were collaborating. They were already going into other businesses with each other. We were talking about our yeah, operations, I love that. all the money we're going to make. My kids are now involved. You know, I'm creating something and cultivating something. That is so much bigger than just month-to-month income. Right. I'm also now not going into a point where I'm scaling somebody else's business, I am, and and flipping it, but now within the Amazon space itself, I create you a storefront, I'm growing a business with you, I'm exiting it with you, we can restart another one, we can rinse and repeat the process. So it's not like I have to cycle through people, I just have to find the right people, and I can rinse and repeat the same thing over and over and over again.
1: Yeah. And I like that when it's your business is predicated on the quality of people you're surrounding yourself with versus the amount, right? You now it's not, it's not volume at that point. You get to a certain amount of notoriety, you know, volume will get you there and that there go, there's your credibility at a very face value. You know, but once you get into the business, you can tell you're providing a lot more value long-term through the relationship with your investors. So that's fantastic.
0: That's really it, man. And uh, I think as we bring back this, this affiliate program, I haven't ran, which is, I think a, a lot of people have had a hard time wrapping their head around. We haven't ran any paid ads for like nine months up, uh, up until like this last 30 days wow. and our overhead's not cheap for, for what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to make sure the operations were tied down and logistics are, are being taken in catered to for the people that we want to take care of. And then doing that and finding those right people I'm almost wanting to put some kind of limitations on how we do the affiliate structure. And I, if I do an affiliate system, I think it should be for only people that are actually involved with the company. So they can show their own store sales, talk about the operations, get those right people. Cause I don't want people just flooding people that are shitheads into the company. The last thing you want to do is collect money from somebody that you would love to give them all the money and more back just to go away.
1: That's the worst position to be in. I, I, I couldn't agree with that model more because within those mastermind groups there's always that one or or two and, and I'm it's very hard to come across a le- legit person that's offering these type of investments right and it's because all they are is marketers offering somebody else's opportunity yeah. you know and they don't even understand it through and through they just they just see the numbers and they're like hey you need to invest in this this is why and then they're the ones through they're all of a sudden they're they're marketing your product but they're They're setting the wrong expectations, you know? Anything to the commission. Yeah. I mean, I would, you know, just outside looking in, (laughs) offering unsolicited advice here, you know, build Uh, your own team.
0: (laughs) I I appreciate it. And (laughs) I I do agree. I did learn a long time ago, not all money is good money.
1: Yeah. So 100%. 100%. All right. So just to kind of wrap up here, you had your immersion tour. Uh, I heard that really well. Had a man on the show before it, which was exciting to see the kind of the before and after now. So, you know, besides that, what are you excited about right now?
0: Everything we talked about over the course of the last year started coming to fruition over the last 30 days. And outside looking in, sometimes people don't know everything that's involved with everything going on. And that was one of the things that I look forward to in the immersion tour was showing people that, getting them a chance to feel that talk with the members. And at that point they'd already been feeling it for 30 days, but like for the last year for this buyout, it, it hasn't seemed that way and they didn't know any better. And everything's done a complete turnaround. So we've done what I projected to do as far as brand deals, distribution deals, um, expansion with certain investors mm-hmm. i expected it to take two or three years and we did it in about eight to nine months and yeah. now that i've pulled that off and you asked me what i'm excited for i just want to see what the hell happens in the next 12 months because at this rate this pace <laughs> i'm excited i'm excited to find out i'll tell you yeah. that <laughs> tell so you, you that. built the
1: machine and now it's now it's going to work it isn't. Yeah, it's man. hard to even set like a target Cause you set one and then you hit it in nine months and you're like, okay, well what's next.
0: (laughs) You know, I found out not that long ago that there's only like 1400 physical Walmart locations across the U S and someone asked how many, um, how many investors I want to top out at like, am am I just going to keep taking them? I don't think it's, it makes the most sense to do that, Mm -hmm. but to take on like a Titan, like a Walmart and, and create those many Walmarts on Amazon that turn over like that kind of cash flow like 1400 yeah. is not a bad number let's start there. <laughs> let's start there
1: i love that love that so much all right last question i ask every guest this what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind oh wow oh, what a loaded ended
0: question you know <laughs> great question I mean, legacy is a story, right? Legacy is always going to be a story that tells someone's triumphs. And I think the reason why this is so important to me right now and doing podcasts with people like you and getting a chance to meet with good people is I don't know what's going to happen in regards to my kids in the future. But I do know that uh, if anything happens to me, I would love to have books and material and podcast out in education and Things that they can always still look to their father that they'd be able to to educate themselves on or get some kind of words of wisdom and advice. But it's not just getting the words of wisdom and, and advice. It's watching me do all these crazy things that I said I was going to do. That anyone from the outside looking in is like, "Good luck." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll need it. Um, yeah, but it's it kind of goes back to like that whole you know the the more I try, the luckier I get thing and nothing would feel better to me than knowing like my kids growing up and being like my dad was a badass yeah anything he said he was going to do he was going to do it and he could explain to you how he was going to do it he'd walk you through step by step and it happened exactly that way that is not a guy that i would ever want to make a bet against that's what i want as far as legacy and i don't want it to just be my kids it starts with my kids there are so many people that are in this company that believe in me because they never had that like anywhere in their family or life growing up. And I want to make that possible. And I really don't feel like that's too much to ask for. Just got to keep doing my thing.
1: No, I don't think so at all. I mean, I feel like in this, again, outside looking in just the conversation we've had today and the research I've done before this, I feel like, uh, if God took you today, they would have that amazing 1% example to look up to, you know, and they could say all those things right now. And that is uh, that's rare to be able to say that, you know, And I don't even know how old I'm I'm assuming we're around the same age. (laughs) That's rare to be able to say that at any given time, you know, so that's a beautiful thing, brother. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I appreciate that. Honestly. Thank you, Doug. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Um, Tons of value. Great conversation. You know, I was I was going to ask a bunch of tactical questions, get very, you know, in the dirt with you a little bit. But, you know, the conversation went another way and I love it. I love it for it. I appreciate you.
0: Without a doubt, brother. And if it the opportunity presents itself and we got to do a part two, I'd be more oh, than absolutely.
1: happy to dive into them. Absolutely. Okay, I appreciate that, brother. Let's get building. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We sure do appreciate it. As always, be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. Don't forget to join our Facebook group, Building Great Sales Teams, so you can get daily tips on how to get your sales team built brick by brick. We'll see you there.